righteousness, he humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all.
Psalm 147 be our scripture this morning. And there was one other prayer request that I failed to mention. Uh, pray for Jackson. Uh, he had gone uh, on a camping trip with the Cub Scouts and got sick with a major headache, and Michelle had to get him and bring him home last night. And uh, the picture of him, he looked like he was miserable. So if you've had any headache issues, you understand that. And, uh, and Jackson with his other issues, so uh, pray for him this morning as well. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 11 will be our scripture. <clears throat> the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives, us, he gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Verse 1 of Psalm 147 sets the stage for what we're going to discuss this morning. Verse 1 begins with the three words, praise the Lord. And in this verse, it teaches us three important truths about praising God. Number one, it teaches us that praise is good. You know what good is. I don't have to go into any great detail. Praise is good. Gossip is bad. Fear-mongering is bad. Praise is good. To praise God is good. Praise is pleasant. It is becoming or attractive when someone, we all like to be praised, don't we? Parents like to be praised by children. Children like to be praised by parents. And on and on it goes. And, and when we hear someone praising us, is it not pleasant? Is it not becoming? Is it not attractive to us? So, so praising God is the same way. It, it is good for Him to hear us as we praise Him. It is pleasant to ears as He hears us praising Him. And, and praise is fitting. That, that means it's appropriate. I mean, it is the right thing to do for believers to praise Him. Worthy of praise. God is worthy of praise. So now the question becomes, why should we praise God? We know it's good to praise Him. We know it's pleasant to praise Him. We know it's fitting to praise Him. But why should we praise God? Well, the Bible has 66 books in it. And in all 66 books of the Bible, you can find numerous reasons for praising Him. The list is unnumbered of the reasons that we can praise Him. But for this service, for this moment in time, I want to look at five reasons that we can find in this passage of Scripture of why we believers 
should be praising God. Here's the first reason. It says in verse 2 that he gathers the outcast. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. When we read that, do we fully understand the impact of that statement of him gathering up the outcast? I, I am an outcast in at least three different ways. I'm an outcast, number one, if we look at the world divided between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews are God's chosen people. I am not Jewish. I think you can tell that pretty quickly, that I am not Jewish. I am not a part of God's chosen people. But we find that in the New Testament, where the, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and says, begin to take the word to the Gentiles. Before that, I would have been considered an outcast because I am not a Jew. You would have been an outcast because you're not a Jew. Well, that's one way of looking at me as an outcast. Another way is looking at me according to what the world thinks about me. As I said on last week, I'm a nobody from nowhere. Grew up in Chesterfield County on a dirt road. No, nobody who's in any authority knows anything about me. They don't care anything about me. So, so in the world's view, especially for those who are in power and authority, I am a nobody, I'm an outcast, I, I am not anyone they would pay any attention to, I'm not anyone that they would want any input from, uh, they, they would just put up with me if they saw me. Well, y'all might just be putting up with me too. Uh, but but they, they would just put up with me. So I'm an outcast when it comes to Jews and Gentiles, I'm an outcast when it comes to what the world thinks about me, and I'm an outcast by living a Christian lifestyle. Living a Christian lifestyle in modern-day America is not the end thing to do. The end thing to do in modern America is to be contrary to Scripture. That, that old saying, what, the Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. And then that old saying, if it feels good, do it. Isn't that where we are in America? Oh, I feel good if I do that. I like doing that. I want to do that. It's never the Bible says I can or I should or I shouldn't. It's all about what we want to do. So if we as believers, if we walk according to the Scripture and according to the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, and we live a holy, righteous lifestyle, then the world looks at us as being strange, unusual, peculiar. They look at us with disdain and they say, what do they know? They're old-fashioned and they believe in all those old myths and fables. They don't know anything. So we're an outcast. We're an outcast as a Gentile, except for the fact that we were adopted into the family of God. We're outcast as far as our standing in the world. I, do y'all know anybody important in the world? Do y'all get phone calls from people important in the world asking what you think? Do, do any of y'all, if you do, please tell me. I've got a word I want to give to them and let them know what I think. We're an outcast according to the world and what they think about us. We're an outcast if we live a Christian lifestyle. If we don't get drunk and, and, and if we don't go out and gamble and if we don't have multiple affairs and if we don't believe in sex changes and if we don't 
believe in all of the, the modern wokeness. If we're against all of that, then we're an outcast in the world. Being an outcast, you know, that doesn't sound real pleasant, does it? To say we're an outcast. Until we read this, where the Bible says that God does what? He gathers the outcast. He pulls the outcast to him. It says he gathers the outcast of Israel, but he also gathers the outcast of believers in our world. That's enough reason right there for us to praise him. Is he not worthy of praise knowing that he has gathered us as outcasts, exiles? He has gathered us unto himself. There's a second reason in verse 3 that we should praise him. Because he heals the brokenhearted. Verse 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Israel went through a lot of brokenhearted times, did they not? God would bless them and they'd live for God and then they would turn against God. They'd walk away from God and they'd go do their own thing, live their own way. They'd go back to idol worship. They'd go back to doing whatever they were doing and... And they'd end up in a mess and a turmoil and they'd end up in a battle. They'd end up in a war. They'd end up in some kind of a bad situation and they'd be heartbroken. And God would be there for them. No matter how often they rebelled against God, no matter how often that, that they went contrary to His will, He was there for them, the brokenhearted. Now, we, we can't quite grasp what it meant to be a Jew. We can't grasp what it meant for the children of Israel when they walked astray from God. We, we have a hard time grasping the, the deepness of that and the hurt of that and how brokenhearted they would be once they realized what they were doing. But I think we all understand what it is to be brokenhearted. Sometimes we're brokenhearted over the condition of our family. You know, family, as I've told you all multiple times, I love family. But boy, family can be so messy. I mean, it, it, it can be about more than you can stand sometimes. And, and it causes us to be brokenhearted. And then there are those times that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that illness and that sickness, it comes upon us and, and we're brokenhearted. Or, or that, that wreck takes place or that robbery takes place or that murder takes place that affects us. And again, we, we are brokenhearted. Well... The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted. But sometimes as believers, hopefully we are brokenhearted over the sin that we have committed against God. Are you ever brokenhearted over what you have done? Are you ever brokenhearted over your disobedience to God? Are you ever brokenhearted over the way you used to live? Are you ever brokenhearted over what you may have done just this past week? I've been brokenhearted more than one time. Over a foolish word, a foolish thought, the way that I did something, the fact that I hurt someone. There have been times I've been brokenhearted over just not being all that God wants me to be. That's a hard brokenhearted when we recognize our sinful condition. 
But it says in, in this verse that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He, he, he brings them unto himself. He, he gathers the outcasts. He gathers the hurting. And he gathers to himself and he brings healing to them. Now, when he brings healing to us during these times of being brokenhearted, it does not mean that he changes the situation nor the circumstance. Man, wouldn't it be great if we could say, God, I'm sorry, and he could just change every bad circumstance and every bad situation? Wouldn't it be great if we could just go to God and, and confess and get right? He could roll the clock back, and those things would have never happened. I remember watching Superman movies where when Lois got killed, that the Superman flew around the earth, so many times so fast that he's spun the world backwards and sent time backwards. That only happens in the movies. And it only happens with Superman. Batman couldn't do that. It was only Superman who could do that. And we know that in real life, we can't go back and undo what has been done. We can't undo that wreck. We can't undo that murder. We, we can't undo that harsh word. We can't undo that filth. We, we can't undo any of that. But he yet will bring healing to our heart, to our soul, to, to our spirit. He's worthy of praise because he heals the brokenhearted. He's worthy of praise in verse 5 because he is of great power. Verse 5 says, great is our Lord and abundant in power. Don't we talk a lot about power in our society? Talk about the power of the military. Talk about the power of the government. Well, I'm not sure about that one anymore. But we, we talk about power in sports, the power forward in basketball. We talk about the power running back in football. We, we, we talk about those power plays that have happened. We talk about the power of that golfer as he swings the club and hits that ball 300 yards down the fairway. I mean, we talk about power all the time. What, how much power does that car have? How many? What, what's the horsepower of that car? Well, that Volkswagen I had was about 30. I mean, that was all it had. Now, now that Hemi I've got out there, it's got a little more than 30. But we talk about power in, in everything that we do. And when we get through talking about power... Nothing we've said equals the power of God. Great is our Lord and abundant, more than enough power. For what? To do anything that he wants to do. We think that we're in charge of things. World leaders think they're in charge of things. But you know who's really in charge? God is. He's allowing a lot of things to happen that I wish he would not allow to happen. If God had asked me about it, I'd say, God, please don't let that happen. But God has his own plan and his own time frame of what he wants to see accomplished and he has the power to make sure that it happens according to his plan. My, my power, 
I guess 68 year old, I still have a little. I, I, I did something this week, and Rhonda was impressed, and I did this number. <laughs> David, she laughed at me. She laughed at me. I'm like, look, you see this? I don't think she could see it. I, don't, it, I had a long sleeve shirt on, it was hidden under it. Uh, I mean, when I was loading that old metal desk out of Wes's old office into the back of my truck by myself, that, that desk weighed 5,332 pounds. And, and, and I moved it by myself. I mean, I put the power, Danny, I, I put the power to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got that thing out there on its end and, and I manhandled it up in the back of my truck and I got over to Miracle Hill and this sweet little young lady said, you want me to help you unload that? I said, would you please? <laughs> the, the power that I have, I might have had a little more power years ago. But the power that we have, power we have as a church, is nothing like the greatness of God's power. It is abundant. It's more than enough. He's worthy of praise. There's a fourth reason that we should praise him. He has infinite understanding. Look in verse 5 again. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. What is it that he understands? Well, he understands everything. I am sure that God even understands algebra, though I never did understand algebra. Algebra got me kicked out of the beta club. I'm sure God understands algebra. I, I never really understood diagramming sentences. I don't think they even do that anymore, do they? We, we had diagram sentences. Ken, you all have to remember diagramming sentences. I, I I never really got the hang of that, but I'm sure God understood how to diagram sentences. There, there's nothing that God does not understand, but let, let me point out a couple of major items that he understands. Number one, he understands our humanity. That's a biggie. God understands our humanity. How does he understand, why is he able to understand our humanity? Because he was born into this world as Christ in flesh incarnate, lived in this world, ministered in this world, walked in this world, was tempted as we are tempted, yet without sin. But because of that, God understands our humanity. In other words, he understands we are fickle, we're weak, we're helpless. We, we will walk away from him in a heartbeat. He, he understands all of our failures and shortcomings. Man, I'm glad he understands all of that. Doesn't mean he approves of it. But he understands where I'm coming from. He understands the way I think and the way I act. He understands who I am. Am. But not just of our humanity, but of our situation. 
He understands our individual situations. Have you ever had anyone to, to start telling you something and they look at you and say, but you just don't understand? You ever had that to happen? Preacher, so and so and so and so, but you wouldn't understand. Uh, I probably would. I've probably lived it. I used to tell them up at Oak Grove when I was up there that uh, if they would slip around the outside of our house at night and listen in, they'd find out the preacher's house is not much different than their house. We, we had our own issues. Rhonda had issues with me. She still has issues. She's probably watching about now and probably going to get me when I get back home today. But that's another story for another day. But, but Rhonda and I have lived so many situations in marriage and so many situations in raising children. And we live so many situations in, in ministry and in church life. We, we have lived so many situations in missions I mean, we have lived so many situations in our time together, but we still don't understand everybody's situation like God does. One situation, two situations I named that I, I don't understand. One is a drunk. I drank some in my young years. I think everybody did. But I never was a drunk, never got drunk. I have a hard time understanding how someone can become that controlled by alcohol because it never happened to me. I, I, I can't understand it. I, I can't understand someone under the control of drugs. Now, I never tried drugs other than the legal drugs. You know, we, we've all got the legal drugs. But I never did LSD, I never did marijuana, I've never done ecstasy, I've never done any of those drugs, I don't know anything about them. And I see pictures of people who are under the control of those drugs and, and how that they have spiraled downhill and how that their, their physical looks have totally disappeared almost and how that they will rob and kill and do anything to get another fix. I, I, I don't understand that. I've never lived it. I, I don't understand nicotine addiction. I, I smoked some in my younger years. Not opposed to a good cigar still, but, but to be addicted to it. That you just can't do without it. I, I don't understand because I've never been there. But God understands all of this. I don't have to understand everything. Aren't you glad? You don't have to understand everything about me either. There's a lot about me I don't understand myself. So there are times that we talk to each other and say, you just don't understand, and I'll have to say, you're right. I don't understand. But man, God does. He understands that life situation. He's there for us. His understanding is inexhaustible and boundless. He's worthy of praise. There's a fifth reason that he's worthy of praise. Verses 8 and 9. He is in control of nature. It's going to be a sad day if we ever determine and figure out how to control the weather. 
You can say amen on that one. You haven't seen any fighting yet to what you would see if somebody knew how to control the weather. The farmers would be saying, we won't rain for our crops, while the crowd over here in the tourist industry is saying, we want sunshine so that we can get our people out and do everything. There'd be military commanders saying, we want bad weather so that the enemy can't see us coming. The enemy would be saying, we want good weather so we can see them coming. If we ever get to where we can control the weather, the fighting will really intensify. Right now, I am real content with God being in control of the weather, aren't you? I, I don't do a lot of praying about weather. I, I remember years ago in my first pastorate that a, a lady was always requesting prayer about the weather. And, and I hope I didn't come across rude to her that day or anything. But I'm like, Ruth, I just believe that God is in control of it. He knows what we need. I, I, have I prayed for rain? Yes, I've prayed for rain. Have I prayed for protection during storms? Sure I have. Have I prayed for protection for others? Of course I have. But it's not one of those things that I lay awake at night and worry about. I simply pray, God, your will be done. You know what we need. But this goes back to his plan and the power to fulfill his plan. He knows what that plan is and what needs to happen to fulfill it. And, and I want to do my best to be okay with that. I'm just glad that he controls the rain, the wind. I'm glad he controls the snow, and, and God, while we're talking about snow, we could use some this winter, right? Amen? Wouldn't y'all like to see about a foot of snow? D Danny? No, Kim? We've got a house divided. No snow? Yes, please snow. Uh, uh, God, we could use a couple of good snows, you, you, you know that? But if you don't send us snow... Just don't send another winter like we had three years ago when it rained every day and the sun didn't shine for three months. <laughs> and I felt like I was going crazy by the time the sun came back out in April. It was like, I can't take this much longer. But God's in control of the weather. He, you, you, you read in the New Testament about him speaking to the wind and the wind stopping. Speaking to the waves and the waves stopping. Go back to the Old Testament and you can see where that God stopped the sun, made it stand still. I, I mean, I, I get tickled at our modern day educated scientists. We've never seen it like this before. And their records go back 150 years. I'm like, well... Do you really know what it did 5,000 years ago? I don't think so. I, I believe in education. But at the same time, I, I just trust that God is in control. And I try not to make a big deal out of what comes our way. Because he knows what we need. I, I hope you understand this morning that, that God is worthy of praise. 
When was the last time that you individually praised God? Here's what we're good at. We're good at asking God for His help and His provisions. We pray a lot. God, don't let me have a wreck. That's a good prayer. When I'm in a plane, God, don't let it crash. That's a really good prayer. God, I'm sick. Help me to feel better. Nothing wrong with that prayer. I mean, we, 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 we pray all these prayers. We pray, God, take care of this situation. All really great prayers. Nothing wrong with them. But when do we take a moment just to praise Him? Not ask for anything. God is our Heavenly Father. As a human father raising two children, would you believe those rascals usually came to me wanting something? Can y'all imagine that? Did y'all's children come to you wanting something? Yeah, Tommy Stephanie Chihuahuas come to them wanting something all the time. I, I, I mean... Those times they came to me and didn't want something? That was good. Yeah. Rare, but good. God, I believe, is a heavenly father. He knows we're going to come to him asking for stuff. He's okay with that because he says, cast all of our burdens upon him. So he's okay with that. But man, I think those moments when we just say, God, thank you for being God. Thank you for all that you have done. When we just praise him for his goodness and his greatness and his glory and, and his provisions and all that he has done, I, I, I think it just warms his heart. And I, I know I'm putting him in human terms right now. But that's the only way we can understand is in human terms. That even as a earthly father or a mother, when a child comes and, and says, you did good, thank you for doing that, or, or I love you, or whatever the good things are that they say to you. And they do sometimes say some good things to us, right? Occasionally. And when they do, it, it warms our heart. And I just believe that God, when we do this to Him, it warms His heart, that His creation that the creation at the top of all creation, which is mankind. Mankind is the apex of creation. And when we come to Him and praise Him, it brings Him joy. We need to give praise to God on a regular basis. And that praise should not be simply because we have possessions. And it should not be because we have good health. It should not be because we have a good family. Our, our praise to God should not depend upon any circumstances or situations that we're in. Our praise to God should simply be because God is who God is. He gathers the outcast. He heals the brokenhearted. He has great power. He has infinite understanding. And he is in control of nature. Why don't we try that this week? That we would just praise God for him being 
God. I believe it would change some attitudes on some days if we did that. Would you stand?